Hi folks, this is Sean DeWire with the Super Friends Super Show. I wanted to kick off this show today, issue 182, with obviously the news that is overtaking the superhero and comic book world, which is the Spider-Man, Sony, Disney split. Obviously, we would record an entire show, and I'd be remiss if I release this episode without having any reference to this big divide between Sony and Disney. There's a lot of factors at play here. I wanted to do my best at the start of this program before we jump into the rest of the show, at breaking this down, unpacking it, because there's a lot of moving parts here, a lot of speculation at this point with Disney and, and Sony, and who's at fault, and where will Spider-Man end up in the next Tom Holland film with Spider-Man 3. Uh, as you were, of course, aware of, at the end of the last film, Spider-Man Far From Home, we had this huge revelation with Peter Parker having his true identity revealed to the entire world, thanks to Mysterio, and of course that's going to be a huge cliffhanger, and you assumed, all right, well, you assume that because they put that huge cliffhanger in, that you would be assured that Disney would continue with that property going forward in the MCU. That is not going to be the case, uh, at least from the time of this recording. Now we're right before the big Disney expo they hold, and funny enough that because it, this almost seemed to catch Disney by surprise because Spider-Man is all over the place over at D23 as it stands right now as far as his branding, his images. So I don't know. I, I think there's a lot that still needs to fall here in the right place. There's a lot that still needs to occur. Obviously, at the apex of this is the fact that Sony and Disney, they were negotiating the continuation of the deal with Spider-Man being part of the MCU, and the way that worked initially was you would have Disney in charge of casting, you'd have Disney in charge of casting, creative decisions, uh, concept art, everything, as far anything pertaining to the production of the Spider-Man project, and of course that's, that's overseen by Kevin Feige over at Disney, the MCU, he is the godfather who oversees all these big projects, makes sure that everything is working the way it should and connecting to the MCU. He oversaw the first two Spider-Man movies that were really well received, the last one, of course, Far From Home, making a billion dollars. And it would be assumed that he would continue overseeing Spider-Man in the MCU. Well, there are, there are two factors to this as far as what is leading to this split. Number one is that Disney wants a larger cut of, of the payout. Right now, in their current deal that they're walking away from over at Disney, they only get 5% of the first ticket box office numbers. So I, I the first week, they only get 5% of the cut. What they want, what they came to Sony with, was they want a, a clear 50-50 split, which I can kind of see things from from their perspective because, right, they are doing all the work. It is their branding on top of this. It's their credibility with Spider-Man coming into the MCU, and there's there's a tremendous amount of credibility that comes with that from the moviegoer. And, of course, they did a tremendous job overseeing Spider-Man and making him work for now two consecutive movies in the MCU. So, naturally, you know, they're doing all the work, and we would like a bigger cut of this. 50-50, I'm not sure if that's truly uh, realistic, and because of Sony and Disney being so far apart with those numbers, they, they, they were, this is what's caused this, this divide between the two studios. The fact that you can't ignore is, the, is that Sony owns live action rights to Spider-Man. They have all the important leverage in this negotiation, does Sony, and 
that's the that's the most important part of this. That's the most important takeaway. Yes, that Disney they are the reason why these last two Spider-Man outings have done so well, but they don't own the property. You know, the the benefit of course is it wasn't to make the money off the Spider-Man Spider-Man films for Disney as far as being part of this negotiation was to be able to use you get a little bit of, of a cut from the Spider-Man solo outings, but you get to use Spider-Man in your MCU films, Avengers, whatever. So that's huge for Disney. So that was the reason for why this negotiation originally for the, this original agreement with Spider-Man, Disney, and Sony, why it worked out. But because now the second Spider-Man movie has made a billion dollars and they want a little bit more of a cut, obviously 50-50 might not be realistic. But Kevin Feige, with the influx of now the purchase of the Fox Studios properties, the superheroes that come from Fox, Fantastic Four, the X-Men, he has a lot on his plate going forward. And there is, of course, a lot of speculation and rumors that they want over at Disney, Kevin Feige, to focus on these new properties. Especially now, there is concern that with the huge box office bomb uh, with X-Men Dark Phoenix, both critically and financially, that because of that huge bomb with that film, that puts more emphasis on Kevin Feige being involved on the reintroduction of the X-Men into the MCU, which would take time away from Spider-Man in overseeing this property that Disney, the MCU, doesn't really own. So to be a full producer on a film that the that Disney doesn't really have a lot of stakes in other than just, hey, we get to use this in our MCU and that's good for us, but they want more of a cut if they're going to have to divide further their attention with all of these properties they already own now with the, with the inclusion of the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, the idea of devoting still the same amount of focus and effort to a property where they only receive 5% of the kickback on is, I guess, not advantageous if you are Disney and the MCU and Kevin Feige in particular. So that's where we are with this. You have a producer who is stretched pretty thin and they wanted to renegotiate the deal with with Sony to get more money, 50% of a split, I'm not sure is realistic because Sony does own this and they have all the leverage. So there, there's a lot going into this, of course. And going forward, it seems that Tom Holland has one more picture left on his contract. And that's extremely important and notable because he's in a contract. And I don't know if he has any... Uh, ability to get out of this contract or to renegotiate things given that things have changed now that things are seemingly reverting entirely back to Sony that Disney's not going to be involved in Spider-Man 3 going forward so you wonder if he is going to stay on and the director uh, he I think he doesn't have any further films on his on his uh, on his contract so at this point you would be moving forward with a new director. You'd still have Tom Holland, which is important, of course. And I'm not sure how much of the the original cast uh, is on the same type of contract. I'd assume most of them are. So you'd have, I would assume, most of the the original cast back for Spider-Man 3 here. But it's an entirely new creative approach from Sony being as involved as I am sure they will be. And they have the ability to, you know, with Lord and Miller doing and producing Into the Spider-Verse, granted it was an animated property, 
but they did a tremendous job with that film. They, I don't know, they they have proven that they do have people in-house over at Sony that have some capability to be able to produce a good Spider-Man film. So, and they've seen how these first two films, the direction they've taken, so maybe they can borrow from that and and do something where that's that's in line with those first two films and see how they can take continue to take the Spider-Man character and this world they've created in these first two MCU Spider-Man films forward completely in-house over at Sony. And because Peter Parker has so much of a Peter Parker story going forward with his identity um, being compromised, you could have it be a story that does not stretch out into anything tying into the MCU. It could be completely self-contained where you don't mention the MCU or you, you meant you, I guess, get around the mention of the MCU for the sake of Spider-Man 3. So you really don't have to do this next Spider-Man film and reference the MCU at all, I suppose. So they could, and maybe they could come up with a, um, renegotiate a new deal going forward after Spider-Man 3 and get him back in the MCU. We'll see where they, where they go from here. But I, I suppose this isn't the end of the world because, again, you could have a perfectly fine Spider-Man film with Spider-Man 3 given the direction, the creative direction that they've, they've uh, the groundwork they've laid out so far. You could have someone take that, a new director take that and continue that forward and it could be a fine film. Then maybe you could have Spider-Man back in the MCU at some point or this could all be for naught. And before Spider-Man 3 is even announced, he might be back over at Disney and uh, in the MCU again, and they are able to renegotiate a, a better, more amicable deal between Sony and Disney. And we'll see where that goes. So there's a lot obviously going on here, and people are freaking out, uh, justifiably so. The Spider-Man character that they've had in the MCU, Tom Holland, has been so important to the Avengers films. Uh, a lot of the the emotional pathos with Iron Man, you know, being so important in that big finale in the, in the Avengers films. And of course, you know, the Spider-Man solo outings have been awesome. And people were excited as far as where that was going to go because there was a big cliffhanger at the end of Spider-Man 2. And it was so well received and it has made a billion dollars. Obviously, you'd want nothing to change. It seems like things are going to change. And that's, that may not be for, for the worse. I guess that remains to be seen. But I definitely wanted to address that. Before we continued with our regular show, issue 182, Super Friend Super Show. And before we get to that, I have online now Super Friend George Reggie, who is going to further discuss this Sony Disney Spider Man split with us. George, I want to ask you right off the top what's your initial reaction to all this Sony Disney Marvel news? Disney's kind of pulling a really underhanded move. Um, their deal was originally for three pictures co-finance and co-produce. Then um, the only major competition that Marvel's had all year at the box office was Spider-Man Far From Home, with it raking in a billion dollars. And Disney said, yeah, you know what? Um, I want half that money. And Sony was like, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And That's, how, uh, that's said, how we get by. You can't take Spider-Man from us. I kind of feel like Disney's being the bad guy here. However, it really doesn't matter. Um, right. What, what matters is as the, the as the audience. Hundred percent. However, Disney's going to come out smelling a lot better from this situation, and Sony's just going to need to be a much stronger and shrewder negotiator to be able to hold on to their profits. Where do you see this ultimately going? So right now, obviously, they are stepping away from the negotiating table. 
with Disney and Sony right now. And as it stands, this deal is dead. Spider-Man's out of the MCU for the time being. Where do you see this eventually going? Do you see the next live action Spider-Man movie being an MCU film? No. I um, I would normally have said they'll come to some sort of agreement because, you know, even a cut of the cash would uh, ultimately be beneficial. However, let's say you made $500 million on another MCU-based Spider-Man film. Amazing Spider-Man 2, as bad as it was, almost grossed that. And they'd get to keep 100% of those profits. Given, um, and I read the background, I can't remember his name, uh, the head of Sony currently. He's more of a hardline kind of guy. I don't think they're going to go back to the negotiating table. So I think what we're going to end up seeing is one more uh, Tom Holland movie that they're going to try and bridge into the Morbius movie and uh, the next Venom movie. So you think they are going to, Tom Holland's going to come back for this non-MCU Spider-Man film once we see this, you think that Tom Holland is going to come back and be Spider-Man again for at least one more time? Um, he's under contract. So, yes. I think... Well, it, I don't know what the what the contract details are, if he's able to get out, if they voided the deal because now it's switched who is producing it, or if he's going to try to get out of the contract or default in the contract or something to that effect. That wouldn't make sense on a contract standpoint, especially when you're a young kid and they're like, hey, we're going to put you in a billion-dollar franchise. You just sign the paper. And so Sony would have made that as beneficial to them as possible. I think personally... It's going to be an awkward one. I don't think so. So I think we as fans have this idea of MCU magic, that everything that Disney's going to touch is going to immediately turn magical. I think if they leave Tom Holland out of the rest of their movies, it will be a success. I think everything they've seen behind the scenes and how to build the film and the filmmakers ultimately are I, I think they've learned all the lessons on how to make a great Spider-Man movie. Look at uh look at their Into the Spider-Verse. You know, that was something that they produced entirely in-house over at Sony and that was tremendously successful for a lot of reasons. Well, not even just like let's cuz I mean, you have to remember too that The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 were also successful, but they were bad. Even if Into the Spider-Verse wasn't successful, it was fantastic. The story was great. It was engaging. And you had a team that really loved the characters behind it. And that's what elevated the story. I don't think that Sony would go back on that. However, given the way Venom came out, I don't think... If Sony can resist the idea of, like, let's create a shared universe... I think Spider-Man will be fine. I really do without the MCU. However, this idea that studios, when it comes to DC, when it comes to the only person that's been able to pull off the shared universe is Marvel. And I don't think it's very much long before that uh, crashes and burns pretty much entirely. And I think Warner Brothers has actually learned this uh, lesson, which is why the next Joker movie is completely standalone, not connected to the rest of the universe. It doesn't matter. It's just going to be its own thing and stand on its own merits. And I would arguably say 
that the best superhero movie in the past 10 years is actually Logan. Basically because it didn't worry about how it had to connect anything or what was going to come after it. It was just from the get-go, let's tell a great story. And when you look at the Universal Marvel, I mean the Universal Monster uh, shared universe that they were trying to do, when you're trying to connect all of these things, you end up ruining the story you're doing because you're filling it with extra bloat that doesn't really matter. The only reason Iron Man was able to do it was because it dropped a seed after the credits for like 30 seconds and then just kept dropping these little seeds here and there. So it didn't bloat the stories. But, you know, when you when you have billions of dollars on the line, you're going to tend to rush things like we want to emulate the success. However, sure, sure. Nothing lasts. I think that's the formula at this point. Absolutely. And this is why I think the third Spider-Man is going to work if they resist doing it. I don't think ultimately they can resist doing it because you have to remember Amy Pascal was also behind the idea of creating the Sinister Six movie. So she's already on this page and wanting to do this. And that's one thing that I just never credit Hollywood executives with is learning from their mistakes. I really do think ultimately we're going to end up getting a third Spider-Man movie that's going to be underwhelming. The fourth is going to tie him into the rest of the universe, and then it's going to be rebooted because the fourth one, I think, will be a failure. Very interesting. Very interesting. uh, Uncertain future with the MCU and Disney and Sony right now. Hopefully they can come back together and maybe instead of a 50-50 split, which is what Disney is hoping for somewhat greedily uh they can come to something in more so in the middle there because i think before they were getting a five percent split 50 so 50 is a pretty significant jump so i almost feel like this was a like a, a highball is highball offer a a term you know obviously lowball offer is a term they were this is a pie in the sky type of like hey we want 50 and hoping that the negotiations would land a little bit below that no i think it was more of a strong arm tactic but either way either way I think this is a distraction. I think the bigger story is, can the shared universe last past 10 years? A special thank you to super friend George Reggie for finding the time being out on assignment to call in so we could discuss this ever-evolving Spider-Man story. We will continue, of course, to stay up to date with this, as I imagine there are going to be some developments from now until the next time we record a show, issue 183. So with that out of the way, let's start the regular show, issue 182 of the Super Friend Super Show. Super listeners, welcome back to the Super Friends Super Show, where we talk about superhero movie news, comics, all the things in between. Issue 182, I am Sean Dwyer. Joined with me once again, my super friend, Adam Patterson. Adam, how are you? Hello. I am happy that we are stitched back together so that I can once again swim in the sea that is comics. I like that. So this is now, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, the second time we've done this opening, and I did make a stitched together reference in the first time, which I did not make this time. Right. So for a listener who's like, why I don't, did Sean set him up for? a stitched together type of uh, bit. Uh, I did not, but I did in uh, in a deleted timeline. I panicked. I and- <laughs> panicked, and I was in an alternate timeline of this 
wonderful podcast. So here we are. We are actually in a different recording space. Usually, usually we record in, in a satellite of free love and friendship. Uh, that is down for repair. Um, there is just, we had a, a, we had like a shining moment where blood just came rushing down the hallway. We, you know, we have, we have this superhero, uh, super showdown arena. All the blood from all the all the battles. Um, we didn't realize that it was just being collected and put in the room, and someone had accidentally opened the door, and it just flooded that hallway, just in a in a tidal wave, tidal wave of blood. The nice thing is that at the same time, we also had a boys' choir practicing yes. in the in the yes, next indeed. room. So it was like one of the best moments of my existence. And you ran, and you ran, and I was jumping in bloody puddles. That's right. So we are um in your domain, Adam Patterson. I we am. are. You have taken all of the sound acoustical tiles that you have in your collection. You have pasted them up on the wall in your children's play doh, and they are sticking and falling and sticking and falling as we expect to both stick the landing and fall on our face over the course of the next hour. As we true story, I actually have my mic being held up by two yes, Barbies. Yes, indeed. That are in a a wonderful bridge pose. That's right. It is a uh, it is a wonderful thing that Barbie Barbies. You know that that plastic they use. You can't match it. You cannot. It is sound structurally sound because your microphone is is pounds upon pounds. And Barbie has a lot on her plate, as we have a lot on our plate over the course of the next hour. We're going to be talking about the things that we mentioned at the top of the program. And again, those things are related to superheroes and comics and everything in between. And you know, since it is sort of a you know, and, and I. Don't I don't want to send you away in droves. I was going to say a light week for superhero comic movie, things like that. We are going to kick off our show most likely with some Star Wars talk. And I assume most superhero comic book fans enjoy the Star Wars talk. So we'll talk about that. Of course, there are some developments over on Disney Plus. Some characters from the prequels, some beloved characters from the prequels might be making the return soon enough. Also, uh, sci-fi is canceling a DC show, Krypton, and we will talk all about our feelings. Not only about that, about that, Emma, about just things in general and Tim Drake, former Robin, current Robin. I'm losing track because he doesn't know what he is. He's having... Nobody does. He doesn't know. He, nobody does, right? He is having an issue where he can't decide if he is a boy, if he's a man. Tim Drake is getting a new look, and we'll talk all about that. Maybe go through his history if we have time. And, of course, Dark Phoenix. It is the the last chapter of the X-Men Fox Studios production universe of X-Men, of X-Men movies. It is not... Uh, it's it's doing as well as you would expect at the box office as it is closing out its run as we flip the page on what's going on with the X-Men. And so let's just talk about kind of how the Dark Phoenix is done and uh, where it ranks among all of the previous outings by the X-Men, uh, how it ranks as far as box office gross and uh, how gross it made us feel. So that is uh, what's ahead on the show. Adam, what have you been up to in the last a week or so? Anything to, that you would would be interested in telling us that we might trying, be interested in? I've been trying my best to catch up with all of the comics. Yes, sir. Um, I find that it is it is the summer madness, and they mm-hmm. are slowly letting things out. That's and right. I am extremely excited for 
Thor King, number one, coming yes, out on September yes, 11th, yes. which is supposed to be the final showdown between, or at least it looks to be. I shouldn't September say supposed 11th, to be. September 11th, they could have chosen another day. Right? I don't know. Well, it's it's supposed to be the, uh, yes. the showdown between Loki and Thor, and it is it starts off with Thor's mm-hmm. three daughters who are roaming through a, looks like to be a citadel or, mm-hmm. or some lost lands, and... Thus, it begins the saga, which just for me is fantastic. I, I really, I really like that they're trying to close it out, and mm-hmm. they and mm-hmm. he's sort of turned into an Odin type character. Lost his left eye, I believe. Left, right? Uh, one right. of those eyes. One of those, one eyes. those eyes. One of them. He's. Uh, this is now the Jason Aaron Aaron's comic book run that he's doing over on Thor, which he I think he is like in, in year four or five of his comic book run, and he's had just an unparalleled run as far as authoring Thor and it's been a continual story that he's telling a continual narrative that he is telling and this is something that he is foreshadowed for several years this idea of yep. King Thor where in the distant future in the not too distant future even he is the king of Asgard and he has some daughters and we visit the distant future and now apparently it's coming to pass now we, right. we are getting to the, in the present we are starting to see the events play out that lead us to the system future whether it be it, now do you know if if they how much jumping around they're going to be doing in this king thor book if it's going to be because the, the daughters that he has i'm not sure where do they come from or are they from the future and visiting the present how does that work no i i'm, I'm not too sure i mean i only saw the the first page layout mm-hmm. and it just had the daughters mentioned in it as well as you know their actions so i i'm not exactly i have to do my research i really but I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out because I, if it is one of those playoffs where it takes place 30 years in the future, 40 years in the future, right. or a thousand years in the future, right? You know, what has transpired between the two characters, in which case you have such a rich history? Or is this something where, you know, it's unprecedented peace mm-hmm. and uh, an event happens that changes everything? Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. It's a fantastic run that Jason Aaron's is doing right now. Aaron Aaron's, I think it's Aaron's. He's doing right now. It's it's really unmatched. This is I've never really been that interested in the Thor character, and I wasn't until I started reading up on his book. Where his first arc that I got into, I think, was, um, went around the God Butcher gore uh, and developing this thing called the God Bomb. And I saw that on the cover of a Thor book, and I'm just like, that sounds interesting. And then I just that first arc that he does. Um, as part of his his take on on Thor is just is incredible and I think that is one of the early contenders for something that they might be adapting to something you'll be seeing in maybe Thor 4 or Thor 5 if we get there this is this god butcher gore storyline that he was introduced in Jason Aaron's his early into this run is something I think you'll be seeing in the uh, in the in the movie theaters, uh, eventually, are you familiar with the first uh, God Butcher arc that he did? It's really, if not, you should really go back and, and read the entirety of his run. It's been fantastic. I haven't, I did not get a chance to read the entirety of it. It's mm-hmm. sort of one of the things I'm still trying to catch up on. Um, but I, I know he's he's done a fantastic job in sort mm-hmm. of just developing the world and developing the characters and really turned it into 
another mythos. So it's no longer just a, or I shouldn't say no longer, but um, one of the things that I find fascinating about this time period with comics is that we're moving away from sort of this uh, quick rock'em sock'em type of thing and turning yeah. it into into long more form, literature, long yeah, form, form literature. storytelling. And that's a lot of his his narrative style is doing prose, a lot of prose is, as opposed to just short bubble text that you see that you've known that you've been. Although there are a lot of comics that have way too much text in those bubbles, but he does actual prose where he will actually write things out as like. Kind of a narrator, um, in in kind of an old, got uh, an old timey, and not old timey, even beyond old timey, kind of in a old Shakespearean type of prose. Yes. Yeah, he 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 speaks or he writes as if he is um, as if he's a storyteller around a fire, right? And and I feel like he he Just also so embodies a, a lot book. of the mythos. And and mm-hmm. the, the coolest thing about it is that. It's, you know, when I say literature, I mean like legitimate literature. It's not just pop culture where, right. you know, comics used to have this whole stigma where you would you'd read it, kids would grab it, and then they would throw it away because all it was was just a fun, quick, yep. you know, uh, rundown. And now it's there's, there's a lot yeah. more quality to it. Well, yeah, there's a lot to be... There's there's a lot that you be that you're rewarded for for reading this entire run. Jason Aaron's not only has is has been introducing, previewing, foreshadowing this this King Thor character that now now we're we're meeting. But he also introduced, and this is something we're definitely going to be seeing in a uh, Waki uh, Watiki Watiti. Oh boy, Waka Watiti. Watiti. Yes. And his upcoming Thor four. Love and Thunder, where we're we're going to be seeing Natalie Portman come back, and she's going to be reprising Jane Jane Foster, and they are likely going to be doing the Mighty Thor arc, where she becomes Thor. She be, she finds herself the Jane Foster character as worthy, and that's something directly introduced in the Jason Aaron's uh, run that he's currently. I hope in the middle of right now. I hope he's not winding up. I feel like he's done so many great things. You had this War of the Realms summer storyline that I'm still catching up on right now. There's a ton of crossover books. They're big books. They're really well done books. I want to try to give them as much attention and focus as I can instead of just kind of flipping through them. So I'm a little behind on my comics and my Thor and my Jason Aaron's. Uh, But I hope to catch up soon because that sounds awesome, King Thor. We'll be there with you, Jason. Yes, and really quick, last uh, on the last show we talked about the boys on Prime. Ah, uh, yes. Are you watching the boys? I watched it all. I watched it. All. I'm halfway through, and Sean Brennan also enjoys the boys. What do he? Do? Well, in more say, ways. I, I, yeah. I don't mean well, to out yeah. him in any. He is a fan of the show. So I'm just, you know, there, that's one of the th- reasons that we also had to get rid of yes. the not get rid of. We had to clean the satellites because right. when we say the satellite of free love, mm-hmm. um, and typically. Mm-hmm. It's it's realistically just a lot of dudes hanging out. So that's right, and there are a lot of human resource people that were locked in yeah. closets for some reason that we had to clean out of there. So a lot of paperwork. A lot that of paperwork. We're having to now a lot of paperwork, on. which is which is why we're here. You yes, know, we just have indeed. to we have to photocopy, we have to staple, we have to collate. That's right. Things it's like important. that. So we're cleaning out the satellite of free love, and right now we are in Adam Patterson's abode right now, and this is a fine recording space that you have one of these delightful kitchen nook yes. situations yep. which are ideal for um for a podcast recording situation so this is this is lovely so for and and for children because you can yes. corral them yes nice. indeed you can you can basically trap them right so speaking of being trapped yes. i was trapped in the boys narrative yes indeed um, for for a good what eight hours i right. think i i think i almost 
Yeah, I pretty much binged it in one night. No, two nights. It was, in my opinion, yes, well done. It was very true to the comics with Garth mm-hmm. Ennis and stuff That's like that. That's not one I ever read. So yeah, same same here. But I mean, I I went back and sort of perused it afterwards because I was like, all right, the the storyline is is decent and mm-hmm. it's very Garth Ennis and um and. Seth Rogen does a really good job of, right. of adapting and keeping it true, you know, with his work on Preacher as well as his work mm-hmm. on, on this. It's weird that Seth Rogen has gotten involved in adapting these comic book properties. Right? It's weird. He's just kind of a very random, notable celebrity who is just now suddenly producing these, like, cool projects that you would think really have no ties. To- I know he was in that Green Hornet movie. A while right. ago, oh, yes, which that's is right. like a superhero character, but that's as much as I think he's ever been involved as far as acting in one. But of I these. feel like that was such a studio film. Whereas, mm-hmm. I mean, it, like looking at Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith got his start through comics, right? Whereas Seth Rogen got his start through comedy and stand-up, mm-hmm. and then transitioned into comics. And maybe he's always been in the comics, but it seems like you know he moved into comics via, um, you know serendipity i guess right. and is and has done really well right. um i think of like zach and mary make a porno which is actually a kevin smith comic that they sure. that kevin smith adapted oh, into, a, that. into a movie um and seth rogan starred in it so i'm i'm sure there's some crossover there but i i feel like he's just he, he's he's a fantastic producer when it comes to this stuff and definitely. never even expected it definitely people liked seem to like preacher i never really got around to watching it. there's a lot of other things out there uh to maybe i'll catch up on him one day but i that got some nice acclaim and also of course you, with the boys on on amazon prime it's getting universal almost universal acclaim it's already they've started filming season two i think they've already finished the first episode i guess the director of it has said that he's already seen the first episode completed so they are moving right along i'm halfway through i love it yeah i really do and i have so much superhero content in my life that especially when it comes to television i have no interest in like you know what this is another superhero show i just i have no patience but it's different and the way that the the shows are the episodes are paced it keeps you interested in seeing what's happening next it's well paced and uh it's the the beats the dramatic beats are are perfect as far as keeping you coming back for and that's that's really an art keeping you interested in these mystery box type things it's called getting in late yeah no was it um yeah getting in late and leaving early right so you don't you don't get in before the fight starts you get in in the middle of the fight or toward the end and then you leave the scene just as the big finish is about to start and Mm -hmm. everybody says well shit yeah then you have to keep coming back there is really an art to creating some binge worthy type of show and you know there i've watched a lot of good superhero shows you know i've watched the tick which is really well done but there is a why like I have dropped and picked that one back up because there's just not a drive to keep watching but as far as what's going to happen next. They're all really nice self-contained episodes, which is something the boys does well. But there's something in addition to being self-contained, they they always leave you with some type of hook to get yes. you to watch the next one, which not all shows do especially well. But I'm really enjoying it. Uh, what's the the character? Um, Homelander is he's great I just the actor he is he's so bewitching every single time I see him on the screen I am not really familiar with that actor I looked up his IMDB and I don't there's nothing else that he's done that I've seen but he is just such he is such a nuanced 
performance. He's really wonderful, and of course, he's not the only strong performer in that show. So um, I hope to be finished by the time we record episode 183. So thank you for uh, listening and finding us um, wherever you found us, whether it be on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, any other place, as we are going to cover the superhero movie news comics stuff that we found that we collected in our in our bin along with our HR people that we are trying to make sure don't get out and spread our stories. We're going to spread our stories that we found. Let's lead off with um, some Star Wars news, Adam Patterson. Yeah. yeah Obi-Wan Hollywood. Kenobi. Yep. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to deliver no, the news. No, I'm, I'm all for okay. it. So I believe it was the Hollywood Reporter that really put right. it out there. I think that was uh, almost 12 to 24 hours ago. But Kenobi. Kenobi. They are confirmed that Obi-Wan Kenobi um, is ready to go. Right, so uh, Disney Plus yes. is instead this has been the long rumored movie that they've been I, I don't know how serious they ever were about doing a Obi Wan Kenobi movie. I know certainly it's been something that fans love to speculate about, but I don't know how much there is as far as basis for them act, you know, over at Disney actually working on an Obi Wan Kenobi movie. I think maybe there were plans, but after solo a Star Wars story bombed. I think all plans for a any further anthology movies were kind of tabled. But with trying to launch this big network, Disney Plus, they need as much as as much can't miss content as you can possibly get your hands on. And they're like, you know, what do fans want, and yeah. what is going to bring them to the network? And just as far as fan servicing, right? You have Ewan McGregor, who you know it didn't leave a bad taste in people's mouth after the trilogy, the the prequel trilogy. So they are bringing him back and bringing him back. I don't know what era do you set this in. I I, I feel like this has to be um, Obi Wan mm-hmm. between Padawan and um, and Jedi Master. Like that, it's it's got to be because they've explored a lot right. of. Um, Obi-Wan and Anakin during the Clone Wars. They explored mm-hmm. a lot of Obi-Wan, you know, moving through the prequels. So there's got to be some sort of, you know, setup to that or some sort of bridge, like his training, Yoda, all that. I mean, if it if this is going to be truly fan service, because let's face it, right? You have you have the big ones, Obi-Wan, and you have Mandalorian. Both are just um, fan service for Disney, yeah. and don't get me wrong, they'll be amazing, um, but that's, you know, if they're giving the fans what they want right. on story, it's just going to be, you know, a rock'em, sock'em type of uh, journey like the animated Clone Wars, but for mm-hmm. real life in Obi-Wan's sort of, you know, um, generation. And I feel like it's, there's, there's also going to, we're also going to discuss a lot of it, the, discuss a lot of the options for what happened before because there's always been conflict in the galaxy they've always been fighting they've always been working so the wars and the stars right exactly never ends you know it's it is it is just heavenly bodies colliding one after the other Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i was gonna make a smoky mountain wrestling um reference because the heavenly bodies are a team that were uh managed by jim Cornette uh in the smoky mountain wrestling territory but i won't I won't. Thank I'll God, stop myself. I, I will stop myself. I'll stop myself. Uh, for the heavenly bodies, um, I'm gonna stop myself. Um, that's fine. Full <laughs> breaks. Full breaks. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> but Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, this is gonna be a self-contained uh, limited series, six to eight episodes, which is something I'm glad that these uh, these these streaming services have taken away from the Netflix 
Marvel deal that they did where all of these series that they ran over on Netflix with these Marvel properties were 13 episodes or or longer, Mm -hmm. which were too long. So I think six to eight episodes, much like The Boys, yep. is very, very digestible. Uh, keep there, You don't have a lot of filler, and the seasons are just very tight and, and compact, and you're on to the next thing, or you're wondering about now season two, and now you have like this this built-in uh, base of people who are excited to come back, and you can you start promoting you know the future as opposed to losing them mid-season and, and not getting them back from, for season two because you have stretch out the first season too long but Obi-Wan Kenobi I I think you're gonna have you know you have a 50 year old Ewan McGregor who is coming back to reprise this role I think you said it I don't know I you've done this a little bit you know I guess in the animated one of the animated Star Wars series they had Ewan McGregor uh they had uh they had Obi-Wan Kenobi uh over on Tatooine yeah his time I guess overseeing Luke Skywalker and making sure that he is safe from whatever order six post order 66 universe that they are now in where first of all not a great i'm not the first person to have this this hot take if you're trying again to hide luke skywalker from darth vader the fact that they both you're retaining skywalker as his last name that's gonna get out right well i mean name the kid something else and and you know why would you why would you put him with family mm-hmm. right why wouldn't you just right. mix it up completely there, there's a there's a lot of holes in that a lot of holes it happens yeah uh, I, I'm, I'm also curious because i completely wasn't even thinking about you know he's full-on 50 i was mm-hmm. still thinking he was like 40s and maybe able to pull off a, a you know an early 30s 50. he's a young he's, 50. he's a young 50 but it, it, you can de-age to, him no problem I, exactly you know but i think i think if it is going to be something of that nature mm-hmm. Then maybe it's the entire time where he's just you know running around with a baby fighting, right? I mean right. that's that's running around with the baby fighting. <laughs> Obi Wan and the baby, right? That's that's basically the title of the film. I would or like to see TV. him and two sandmen, where a baby gets dropped on their doorstep, in right? addition to having to oversee Luke and making sure he's okay. Now he has to watch a second baby. Just people keep on leaving uh, babies, I think, for Obi-Wan Kenobi and his ward. So he's just over, he's like kind of the babysitter, the, the universal babysitter where people just keep on leaving babies. I like that. That he, he has can, to protect. And he can pretend to, or not pretend, but he can use the force to mm-hmm. soothe them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so now all of a sudden the force becomes nurturing, yes. not just violent. Beautiful. It's yeah. really a beautiful series. Uh, it's, it, you know, they've already... They've done too much with Star Wars and this new extended universe that they've implemented with comics, with the animated series, where they have already paid off the Darth Maul, Obi-Wan Kenobi rivalry, where they've already done the scene where, you know, for people who haven't watched the Clone Wars or whatever series this takes place in, Obi-Wan Kenobi like has a showdown with a lightsaber, yeah, with Darth Maul in, in an animated show recently, and he ends, so we know how it ends. He kills Darth Maul there on Tatooine after he finds him with his robot legs, and <laughs> so I mean, there's no suspense there. So I would think they have to go with another threat, right? Not Darth Maul. And it, has, and it has to be a big enough threat that they can have legs for right. several seasons yes. if they want or need. Yes. So it has to be either something like the Empire mm-hmm. or something. You know, I, I'm I'm even thinking. About, you know, you could have like a, a secret group that runs the empire or right. some sort of society that, you know, is like um, uh, Sith, but also 
something like a little more side to it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's not direct Sith that runs the Empire sort of bureaucracy as much as it yeah. is like, you know, the religious elements of the Sith or something of that nature. So we're gonna find more information out about this, I'm sure, in the week or two to come, because D23, which is Disney's big convention that they do, the yearly convention, I imagine they're going to be having they're going to be having more information come out about this about this series. I would assume now that it's been confirmed that this Obi Wan Kenobi series is coming to Disney Plus, and hopefully we get some some early concept art, some That'd plot details, nice. a director, so at least you can kind of speculate on what direction this might take based on the artistic vision of whatever director they end up assigning to this or if they're so early in the production of this if this is something we're not going to see until like 2022 we're wondering i guess how far it's three years out i i guarantee it's three years out yeah, because they've got a lot of time I yeah think. They... and this is great because alan mcginnis was the uh, original obi-wan kenobi and the fact that he was an old man they have all the time in the world with hugh <laughs> mcgregor like he's supposed to be playing an older man so like he can they can wait 20 30 years until he has to like get around to, to doing this obi-wan kenobi right they basically have to have just fill in the gap between right. when he takes the baby and star wars episode right. four starts off right because that's that's basically it's what like hasn't been 20 covered year yet. gap right right so so this is this is literally like the story of jesus mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you have jesus baby and then jesus who's 33 right and you have that gap of what happened to skywalker yeah. jesus um, in the universe there's not a ton right of, of stories told in that gap and what is Obi-Wan Kenobi doing the last we see of him in Revenge of the Sith he's just sort of like he's sort of just brushing his beard overseeing Obi-Wan Ken- uh, overseeing Luke Skywalker be handed off to, the, to Luke's, his new parents I, I really want him and to just watching and then what does he just stick around or does he go off on other adventures until I don't know Hey, I, I guarantee you he, well, he has to have to go off onto adventures. Otherwise, there's no storyline. What but else is happening on Tatooine? I, I feel like I feel like it's going to turn to like a Kung Fu Panda thing where uh-huh. Obi-Wan Kenobi opens up a noodle shop yes. on Tatooine. You and wonder? Just, and just, you know, right. hangs out and all of a sudden bad things happen. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to fix this place. And then obviously he doesn't because it's still, you know, a backwoods brawler area. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, that or else, you know, he's, he's helping out the local magistrate in return to keep, you know, having keep quiet or yes. whatever else, or, or it can be like, you know, one of the a love story, a love story. Oh, there could be, yeah. this could be a the, secret superhero the origin of how he is actually Ray's father. And he ends up meeting the oh. mother and how, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. What does a man do on a sand planet looking after a baby for 20 years by himself? But he's he's not looking after the baby, right? He's already passed off the baby. So he's just. Yes, but he has to make sure that like no, no spaceships are landing with like. That's true. Guys with, you know, just grunting. Oh, let's get him. If he hears that, he's got to jump in action. <laughs> uh, so Ewan McGregor has, you know, speculation is now it's all but confirmed that he has signed a contract to do this and he is off and running. And that's exciting. That's uh two big, 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 uh, big shows that are now going to be on Disney Plus from the Star Wars universe. You have now the Marvel stuff. Yep. Of course, that is involved in Phase 4, WandaVision. Falcon and Winter Soldier, the Loki show, and I feel like there's a fourth one, the Hawkeye. The Hawkeye is going to be on that too. So there's a Hawkeye. lot. So oh my god, day one, Disney Plus. I think, and the way that they bundled it with ESPN and with Hulu, 
watch out Netflix. Dun, dun, dun. You know, it's I feel bad saying that, but this is almost seems like a better, more value from all oh, yeah. with all the Star Wars movies. And speaking of Star Wars, Star Wars, really quick, they they're planning on releasing a 4K. Uh, I guess a re-release of all the Star Wars movies to date, and that includes Solo. That includes your Rogue One in, in a collection of of 4K, you know, DVDs. What do they call them? Blu-rays, 4K, whatever you call them. Money grab, money grabs. But notable is with the original trilogy in this re-release, this 4K re-release. These aren't going to be the original cuts. These are going to be the George Lucas special editions that they are using. <gasps> what? I didn't hear again. that. Yeah. Oh. So this isn't, there's been rumors, of course, that they are getting around, not that George Lucas is out of the damn way, uh, that they are getting around to releasing an original cut of the original trilogy. There's, I think there's an issue with the, the distributor, especially for the original Star Wars, because I think Fox productions or something to that effect they were the original distributor of the original star wars so there might be some red tape with that one but i can't i mean it's it's disney just take a billion dollars we'll take your movie like let us really so that is not this and i don't know if that's ever coming so if you are interested if you're a person who's interested in seeing the original as close to it as i think we're ever going to see in my lifetime the original the original theatrical cut of Star Wars, the original original trilogy, you can go online and find the unspecialized editions that people have that a group of people have worked on painstakingly to using various source materials mm-hmm. to put together using the 4K, uh, or rather using the the Blu-ray release that Disney that that George Lucas put out the special edition, but then also using that and editing over on top of that like the the original 33 uh, millimeter. Yep. Thing and a bunch of other sources to put together one comprehensive despecialized edition as it would have appeared in the theaters all those years ago. So they they if you're interested, it Disney's never gonna get around to it. You can find this on the internet and you can watch it yourself. So that's very exciting. And then the last bit of Star Wars news, Ryan Johnson, his trilogy is still on. Can you believe this? So odd. It's I I, I they, mean good for him that's that's yeah. cool I'm just I, I don't know how a it's man work. should be able to work a man should be able to work a man should be able to work True. and I will say that Star Wars the um what the heck was the second one called oh it was a, the Star Wars the Last Jedi it was a fine movie yep it was well done the choices that were made uh were not well received and I think that was the issue more so than. Is it a good movie? So I think Ryan Johnson has proven that he can. He's a fine filmmaker. Looper was good. Whatever else he's done is good. The Last Jedi is good. So I don't. I think he's any Star Wars movies is is in they're in capable hands. Hopefully he's learned from his mistakes as far as just doing things to change uh, expectations to just kind of to get around expectations. Just doing something for the sake of doing something uh, surprising. Uh, what is it called? Diverting, subverting expectations. Yeah, doing that just for the sake of it, I think, isn't always a good idea. So hopefully, in this this trilogy that may or may not get made, because you also have the trilogy by the Game of Thrones guys that they're doing that may or may not land on Disney Plus. Right. That's going to be set in the Star Wars universe. So you wonder where this one, where this is. I, I guess it's the the plan from 
reports that are coming out is that Ryan Johnson, he's going to be doing these and they're not going to focus on legacy characters. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, Ryan Johnson, he's, he's a good, solid director writer. Mm-hmm. The, I think, I think the biggest thing is just, I, I keep on picturing. So there was this cartoon, right? When Disney first bought star Wars and put out solo right. and the cartoon was of a withered cow you know, mm-hmm. um, sitting at or tied up to a fence and Mickey Mouse is walking over there with buckets and on the cows written Star Wars. So, you know, how much can they actually milk this thing that's not fan service? Right. right. Or if you're going to do if you're going to do this, maybe do fan service until you can sort of build up enough interest that it can go back into the original. So I feel like if they're going to do fan service, one of the most interesting people is um oh now i'm forgetting the admiral uh but he was he is admiral akbar no oh well admiral right i mean there there are (laughs) there are a lot of side characters or whatnot in canon and non-canon um admiral thal oh thrawn thrawn thon thon yes there we go i keep on mispronouncing his name no everyone does right (laughs) admiral thon you know i feel like i feel like i don't even know if we're saying it thrawn thon it's fine yeah. No one cares. No T-H-R-A-A-L. one really cares. Um, so it is like that has so much speculation and interest to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could pull that off. Or Yeah, there's one story. You know, I mean there there are a couple of random ones here or there, but I just feel like I feel like they have to sort of move away from the epic battle and turn it back into like an everyman tale. Yeah. It's amazing that in a universe they're telling a space epic that takes place over the that in the scope of an entire universe that they cannot tell a story that is any more varied or isn't that's any more than just the plucky roguish you know group against an empire right and fighting that you cannot tell a different type of story in a gigantic universe somewhere there is a maybe in another planet in this galaxy where there's something interesting going on within the same universe or whatever where humans aren't running it or or something that there's just gonna be another story to tell in the star wars universe that it's such a huge universe get a whole bunch of et's right et was seen in the senate Therefore, their planet exists in this mm. realm. Therefore, just have the ETs, you know, talk about ancient Earth. They should just do a very similar, although it, it seemed to have failed, a very similar casting call that they did for Han Solo, except it's writers, where they bring in oh, three, right. <laughs> 300 writers as opposed to 300 actors to audition for, for Han Solo. 300 writers and just like give us an original Star Wars idea that can be set anywhere in this galaxy that's like different enough where people just don't like oh it's the same retread it's the same story like give there's some story to tell that it has to be somewhat different that they could focus i i like the idea that one thing that ryan johnson set up in the last jedi is that the force you don't there's no bloodline associated with the floor with the force right force can be inhabited by anyone um, the force can be inhabited within anyone. So, and that's what he revealed at the very end with that little orphan boy, uh, who was able to call to him with the force, his broom, and also with, with Ray. 
with that her parents weren't special that she just was someone who has the force just because the force chose her and it had nothing to do with her bloodline so like you witches which yeah some it's like that that's right there's magic everywhere and if you are powerful and witchy enough if you are a witchy woman enough you can you could harness that power so uh, you know it, it, the fact that the force can really be called to anyone so maybe that's something they'll focus on outside of the skywalker um bloodline bloodline you know collection of characters so i'm interested to see where that will go but heading over to the world of superheroes now that we have stepped away from the star wars news sci-fi which for two seasons was the home of krypton a prequel to superman over on sci-fi that focuses yep. on the planet krypton not with jor-el but with jor-el's father is so it's two generations removed from superman right grandfather his grandfather now, and I guess it was well-received. I never got got around to seeing an episode, but they have canceled it after two seasons, and I guess not. hope is, is not completely lost that maybe they won't find another home for season three. Uh, have you heard anything about this? Well, I mean, it, so it, it premiered with 1.8 million viewers, mm-hmm. and by the end of it, season two started off with only half a million yes, viewers. Yes, yes. So that was, because when, when I first heard this, I was like, oh, sci-fi didn't really cancel it. What they're doing is that they're pulling it so that they can, mm-hmm. um, so that they can bolster uh, the DC right, their, online. Right, their um, network that they have, the yeah, DC the, Universe network. There we go, DC right. ne- Universe. You know, I was like, okay, so so they're pulling this so that they can do DC Universe, but it's like, mm-hmm. no, they actually just didn't find their fan base. I guess not. Sci-fi just didn't want anymore. I imagine this is not a series that is cheap to do. Well, I mean, it's, all. it's funny because when you look at it, there's there's a lot of CGI and then a lot mm-hmm. of this takes place in caves or in right, you right. know um in back I'm not sure if, if back the caves alley stuff became more prevalent as the as they continued to lose viewers. <laughs> well, <laughs> they it, just it might be like uh... more cave scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but the there there seems to be a lot of like off, yeah. dark holes that they just hide right. out in. So you're saying that it's it, it could be filmed on the cheap. This this might not have been a cost cutting just the fact that this series like wasn't pulling in the viewers to justify how much money they're spending on it this was just yeah i i didn't feel like, like the direction it was going yeah i feel like it and i feel right. like it just didn't there there was a lot of redundancy the stuff mm-hmm. that i saw mm-hmm. it was it wasn't it wasn't very original it wasn't right. very you know um grabbing that was it was fun mm-hmm. it was it used some great characters it had it right. had decent storylines but it wasn't anything unique and it wasn't anything you know hardcore it just it was right that's it's something that i think people they i guess they did a lot of past and present kind of stuff where they would they basically the the thesis for this is what the grandfather of of superman does back here will have an impact on the future this he is visited by a time traveler right whose name i don't have in front of me he's he's like listen you know you whatever you do here you know, the future is at stake uh is at stake here and a brainiac was involved yep brainiac he and they face threw, to face with brainiac they threw um superman's cape at his grandfather right. and saying you know if this cape goes away it's all gone so on and so on. So they, it was they they used a lot of tropes similar to Back to the Future. Yep. Uh, the disappearing people in the photo, dif- disappearing cape. I'm trying to find the uh, the name of the uh, the well known comic book character uh, from from DC who visits him, who is a time traveler. I don't have it in front of me. I think he is the father of of Booster Gold uh, in the comics. Who I wish I could find it in front of me here. 
Um, it doesn't matter. Adam Strange, I think, is is who it there is. There you go. So Adam, Adam Strange. Strange uh, I, uh, so maybe not the same person I was thinking of. Adam Strange, who is a human from the future who warns Seagal, who is the, uh, not Seagal, not to be confused with Steven Seagal, uh, although I think he has a brief cameo in this. He just plays a rock he has, he has he's a, just yeah. a, a, a wall he's, of he's often rocks. he actually has a whole bunch of um, right. cameos he's just using camouflage that's right he's he's you know they were building up for that big reveal in season four where he's like aha it's me it's been me and he plays like a highlight uh reel of all it, his best hiding moments i couldn't wait for that season to call i mean seriously you basically just see you know if there's a man in a ponytail in a yeah. crowd it's usually him usually steven seagal so, you know, they, they incorporated, of course, the city of Kandor, which is something that a bottled city that Superman likes to keep in his cave and just kind of look at and just go, oh, if I could save you, I would. And they, he often does let the people out of Kandor out of that that bottle from time to time, I feel like, in the comics. So they do get out. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically like, you know, an ant, an, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called, an ant farm, but the people are a little more sentient and will yes. go back in on their own. That's right. They, they, they can be trusted. They can, they right? Can be... Because, I mean, you, you can't just let the ants out. Otherwise, you have ants in your home. Uh, they're like, oh, home. this is great. Now it's a bigger place. And no Whereas one understands in Kandor, that. they're like, you know, no, I understand. I need to go back in my hole. That's right. Cool. And, and no one understands that better than Superman. You can't let ants right? in your home. So he understands the, the careful balance. So you had, of course, the city of Kandor, Brainiac, Lobo, who they tried to do a backdoor pilot oh, yeah. on sci sci four who they tried to do a backdoor pilot with on sci-fi. And I you know, I think DC has had high hopes for Lobo as like a box office draw, maybe getting his own temple franchise, being a, a leading DC man. Deadpool. Yeah, right. Being DC Deadpool. He's just corny. He's like '90s corny. He's yeah. just like extreme to be extreme. He's a, he's just zipping around on a on a motorcycle. He's got long hair. He's like half biker. He's like a, he's like a weird guy who swears. He's just you know he's like Wolverine on a bike. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I guess they're like, hey, it's Wolverine on a bike. I think the DC executives see it the other way. Hey, I don't see that as a negative. It's Wolverine on a bike. Right. I think he's just lame. I think he was of the time, and he apparently this that pilot that they were getting trying to get out the ground with his own standalone solo series is not going to happen on Sci-Fi. Maybe it will happen on the DC Universe streaming app or or HBO Plus or something in the Warner Brother house of of networks or streaming services so maybe all hope is not lost for krypton for those of you out there who still enjoy krypton finding a home somewhere and us finally learning what what happens to superman's grandfather does he have a son does that son have a son what happens to that son What's the story? We know how this ends. Who right? cares? My point. Son of I, a son of a son. I'm being silly, but um, I we know how the story. Uh, prequels are boring. Prequels, <laughs> I just. That's the thing. I think prequels like always sound like a good idea, but if it was an interesting enough place to tell a story, you would have started the story there to begin with. Interesting, interesting take. Although I still think Hobbit is a better one than Lord of the Rings. Interesting, but yeah, hot take, right. very hot take. Hot so take. again, going back to Obi Wan Kenobi and his prequel series, I worry because right? it's again a prequel. Right, it's it's Obi Wan sitting around right. babysitting because he is he is stuck. <laughs> He, he is stuck with canon, right. so he, he can't move from certain places. Right, he's stuck. Otherwise, otherwise, it ruins everything before or, you know, right. ahead. 
Yeah, I don't know. He right again. That's a prequel, and we know where it he ends up. So right. that's more. And again, if the new if New Hope was if 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 that was story of Obi Wan hanging on Tatooine or whatever he's doing there was interesting enough, they would have started New Hope with that. Right. Not with him right. as an old man. So I'm worried about that. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about the DC stream. I'm worried about everything. A lot of anxieties say, yeah, in my yeah. life. Deep breaths. Deep, deep breaths. breaths. So Krypton, we'll see. I It was not a show I was watching, but they tried like hell to make it work, and you got to applaud them for that. At least Tim Drake has a new costume in, in the comics coming mm-hmm. up this fall, and Bra- Michael Brian Bendis is writing Young Justice, which is yep. a series that I'm not even really that familiar with. Nope. But apparently, he's he's getting behind it, and it's, it's something because you know Michael Brian Bendis is Brian Michael Bendis. Oh man, Brian Michael Bendis. I did it the wrong way. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis. He is a rock star of, of a comic book writer, and if they're putting Mike, Brian Michael Bendis on a book, I think they expect it to do well. So, or at least they they would or they would find someone else to write Young Justice. So right? he's on it. He's making changes and good for him. And one of those changes that he is going to be making come the fall time is you're going to have Tim Drake, new new uh, new dreads, new duds, new duds, new duds. New duds. Say, he hasn't changed hot hair. Dreads. Straight, straight, straight dreads. Uh, hot duds. I can't. I'm not a young man anymore, and I, I lose my words from time to time. <laughs> that is fine. And so Tim Drake is, has a new costume. And it looks. Um, I'm, I'm bringing it on the big screen right now. Yeah, no, it's a it's a little orange, a little brown, and, and a little, little brown. black. More like a more like a robin, more yeah. like an actual robin as opposed to just all red because robins are not red. That is a different bird. Red and green, different bird. Red and green. Yeah, the, no, mm-hmm. that makes no mm-hmm. sense. That it's a robins, Christmas bird. That's a Christmas bird. <laughs> that is a Christmas bird. I mean, they they have, they have a red chest. Yes. To be fair, right? Okay, sure. So red-breasted robins, yeah. Um, but yes, he he looks he looks more like a a sparrowhawk or a starling mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. a a traditional robin in this one. Yeah. I'm kind of curious also because it it's his clothes. It's not like it definitively changes him as mm-hmm. a person. All they've done is hey, look, we changed the costume. Um, so whether or not that you know that plays out or how that plays out is a right. whole another issue. And and I would I would suspect that. I really hope that they just haven't said, hey, we need to change something. What do we do? And right. they just change a random thing. Oh, I know. We'll put a new shirt on them. All right, great. So I hope that they actually have a real plan with this as far as being a, a real change of direction for the character as opposed to just, well, I just give him something new to wear. Because Brian Michael Bendis, Michael Brian Bendis, which one? Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis. He is, um, he's writing this book. And if like they're making a big change, big change like this, I think they, they, uh, they, they, doing it seriously in addition to his outfit changing um you also have his name changing so right now he is going he's he's robin he's red robin he's tim drake got a lot of names apparently he's going to be debuting a new name come this this uh this fall this winter time and you'll notice that in his new outfit which you can just find by just googling tim drake new outfit brian michael bendis hashtag new deads new duds new duds just not dreads not just deads, keep writing just... words into google until google <laughs> stops you and looks up the thing so he you'll notice that the r is missing right so that is either a photoshop there is going to be another insignia on this costume that is just not there until they reveal the name or he's just tim drake well it has to i 
Young Justice has always had, you know, either a Robin who regrets being Robin because he's trying to go off on his own or a or a Robin who is doing his mm-hmm. best to, you know, um, live up to, I guess you could say, Batman's uh, ideal. So this is it makes perfect sense that if they're doing a Young Justice, they're like, all right, well, you know, he needs his own identity. He needs his own thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, again, it's it's I feel like it's such a standard trope. OK, we're going to change things up and mm-hmm. all of a sudden people are going to say it's new. But at the same time, Young Justice, you know, what makes it different and why should we pay attention to it versus running around? Don't get me wrong. Brian Michael Bendis is a fantastic writer. Right. I just I'm just curious because I feel like Young Justice has after, you know, Teen Titans Go was a big success and Teen Titans. Yeah, they're and all trying to make stuff. this work. Right. Yeah. You know, how how are they how are they going to say, all right, are we are we still shooting for, you know, the the nine to twelve year olds or are we are we going for the teenage crowd or where well, you know and Titans, how are they going to do the stories? Yeah, uh Young Justice, Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go, that young Justice League that they've had over in their stable for a long time over at DC has had success you know a lot with, of success with the animated series with the book teen titans in the 80s like really sales wise was going head head to head with the x-men for and they, a while they did just they just did a movie like two or right. three years ago that did excellent so you i figure you have to get behind a property i think like god listen we have people's ear on this let's put brian michael bendis on on this book and let's make tim drake a bird right? looking guy, more <laughs> bird like. And so this is going to this solicitation, which um, they just released the synopsis for. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with comic book solicitations, they basically just let comic book shops know, hey, what's to come? So they know how many books to order um, in their in their shop. So they have them for you when you come to their shop. Dun, Here you dun, go. Dun. Here, take a book. Um, this, this is going to be Young Justice number 10, which comes out, hits the. It's the uh, magazine um, stands, your your comic stands, in November November sixth, two thousand nineteen. So that's where they're going to be debuting this new this new costume. And in Young Justice eight is when they're going to be debuting this new Tim Drake name. So we're going to find out a lot about Tim Drake in the in the months to come. But they've made a lot of weird changes with Tim Drake's with Tim Drake over the years. He has been Batman at points. Right. He is. <clears throat> the third Robin, yeah, of four or five, depending on who is a canonical canonical Robin, right? Um, so he is the Tim Drake problem, and and the, and I never think or I don't think he ever really got a lot of traction because he is just sort of like a, a the middle. Re- he's the middle child. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's, a, he's a retread. You know, right. it's oh, we need a new Robin because. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And hence hence why Damien right. was Batman's son, because it's like, okay, this now is something it's, a different direction to take yeah, with Damien. Robin we care about. Right. Whatever. Yeah, this actually made some sense with Damian Wayne as far as being the Robin. He's of age. He is of Robin age where he is like, I don't know, ten. Is granted, right. let's let think about how yeah, what age, age children should be fighting. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but you know, you typically Robins Batman's Robins are younger boys. Um and I, Tim Drake is supposed to be a teenager. Right. And uh, he's aging out. He should have aged out, you know, a long time ago. And he is yet to move on. You know, obviously you had, you know, in the history of Robins, most notable, the first Robin, Dick Grayson, moved on back in the 80s. Right. Where he became Nightwing. And he went off and did his own thing. And he's really, he's had his on his own ongoing books. He's led teams. He's moved on. 
um, and in being Nightwing and has done really well for himself and is in talks of having his own solo movie one day. Right. I think his starting to gain enough steam where maybe Dick Grayson might, you know, take them take uh, the Nightwing name that he took on a couple of years ago and a number of years ago and he'd be able to run with that. And also you have Red Hood with Jason Todd, who is Robin number two, who was murdered, as people remember, uh, because it was just all over the news. Uh, He was murdered by the Joker and died and came back and was a jerk and was mad at Batman for various reasons and took up the mantle of the Red Hood. And he moved on. He's got his own thing. He's he's led his own teams. He's had his own ongoing books. Uh, He has been in animated movies where they've done where they've um, where they adapted the red hood storyline and people know red hood and jason todd um i would say in the zeitgeist of who is most well known you know in terms of these robin characters i put jason todd right up there with with dick grayson uh because he's really kind of uh created a niche for himself with the red hood character but tim drake uh, for whatever reason, he's taken on various he's titles. Just forgotten about. He's just forgotten about it. Like when he did try to branch out, he changed his name to Red Robin. Right. He's like, I'm going solo. Because he makes burgers. Yeah. Right. So not only is it a burger chain, it's barely a name change. Right. You just go and call yourself something else. I don't think he's gone on to really even have a name that is is any more creative or different. Than Red Robin, if you're trying to separate yourself from Robin, he's still dressing like Robin. Hence, hence the change. Yeah, Sparrowhawk. About time. Yeah, he's. <laughs> yeah, what do you call? So you're. Yeah, you're. Uh, you're betting. Your your bet is Sparrowhawk. I'm, I don't I'm, hate, I'm betting that's he's not a horrible. Bird. Yeah, that's not a horrible guess. What do you call? Like Tim Drake. It's the Tim Drake problem. You have too many Robins. Tim Drake is the middle one. Really, with they were just trying when they introduced him. Time had passed since Jason Todd was was um, very cruelly murdered uh, by the fans because yep. they vote. They called into a, a toll free number or a nine hundred number, and they cast a vote to have Jason Todd murdered yep. because people didn't like him because I guess he was just too snarky, too much of a a, a street youth that people don't care for. Yep, they hunger gamed him. They hunger gamed him, and he was murdered at the behest of the, the comic book readers. They called him to the number, and he was murdered. So they wanted to go in a different direction with with Tim Drake, and I guess he was initially well-received. He was just a young boy whose parents were not killed. He had living parents at the time he had, that he became Robin, who figured out Batman's secret identity. Yep. And that's where it begins and ends, I think, and he's just Robin from that point on. And he's Robin for a while, and he's just Robin for maybe too long. He's a ninja with a secret identity. That's right. Stuck in high school for 10 years. And he, I guess, was kind of pushed aside when Damian Wayne, Bruce Wayne's son, came into being. And he became Red Red Robin, and I, I guess people respect him in the Bat family. Like, hey, you're Tim Drake, man, you know. You're pretty cool. You know, I respect you. You're a pretty smart guy. And he's also being... lobster on the on dinner. You yeah, know, the I... people he's getting some extra dinner rolls. People right. respect him for sticking around so long. But he's never really gone out on his own. He's always been kind of stuck in, in the Teen Titans young justice. And I mean, great. They're gonna introduce a new name for him. That's fantastic. I, I hope it sticks. Um it's I mean I've read that this is that Brian Michael Bendis has said this is going to be permanent, this name. So good on them, right? He's a Robin Cannon. That's right. He's you know I would almost if they're condensing the story, the 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 continuity over DC, and that very well may happen with with uh, with Death. uh, What's it called? Uh, With Doomsday Clock, 
which is an event that they're currently getting ready to wrap up. Jeff Johns is writing it right now where it's going to be eventually, I assume, a continuity reshaping type of storyline where maybe they move around some things, adjust the timeline a little bit. You could easily just take Tim Drake right out of Right? Right out of existence. Retcon him entirely in the same way that they did Wally wow. West. So you you could easily do that. You could you can get rid of him from time and space, maybe bring him back in twenty years. Like, oh yeah, Tim Drake's back. Great. We care about Tim Drake, but right now I think putting him on this shelf for maybe twenty years. Right. He's, making people miss him. He's an everyman. Yeah, just making people miss him for a while, I think, would be the best way to approach Tim Drake, because he's worthless at this point. He's redundant. Just put him on the uh, on the shelf until people miss him, and then bring him back as a new solo character when people care in twenty years. That's my approach. Not giving him a, a more brown outfit, giving him well, I, bird I, sparrow. I'm as sure a new he name. will have an identity and yeah. some sort of thing. You know, maybe I don't know. maybe his maybe his father gets indebted to the mob or. Or his, his parents disappear yeah. and he has to find them or blah, blah, blah. Well, his parents have been murdered since. Oh, and right, And all right. his friends have been murdered that. since. He died for a little while, although not really. He's doing really good for himself. Yeah. So, <laughs> Tim Drake. Uh, good for him coming back. He is, you know, a character we don't bring up very much on the show, who on a light week for superhero movie news and stuff and comics, I thought we would give a little bit of time to, because no one else seems to. And since they're going to be making some permanent changes to Tim Drake in the months ahead, we might as well get to know him a little better and right. kind of refresh ourselves on the Tim Drake as he is known. So, Tim Drake. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, uh, it's not a eulogy. Row number three, not a eulogy, not, not a, a eulogy. eulogy. Not that's a, that that that's the title of his book. Yes, Tim Drake, this episode, not a eulogy. Not a, Tim Drake, not a eulogy. I like it. So, last thing we'll uh, we'll finish up on here on the Super Friends Super Show issue one eighty two, X Men Dark Phoenix officially ended its run and on eight fifteen, and the final numbers are not pretty. Um, the opening weekend, to refresh everybody, was $65 million, and that ranks, of course, dead last among all of the X-Men movie that were ever uh, done over the course of the last 20 years while the X-Men were over at Fox Studios. And it's it's really something. This is a really sad swan song. I feel uh, really for bad X-Men. for Sophie Turner. I mean, yes, this was her. You know, she was the lead character in this. This this was her. This was her movie debut. Right. In a big property you know she got paid well mm-hmm. in addition to the fact that she's coming right. off of this extreme high from from the last series mm-hmm. and i'm Game sure right too. now she's on a lot of antidepressants yes and has a lot of group therapy sessions because fans are merciless yeah well this uh, i i don't know i she didn't really stick out as being she was fine in Armag- uh, on age of apocalypse Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the film that preceded this one in the X-Men with the uh, the new the first class class um, of X-Men. She was fine in that, but really didn't stand out as being anyone who was with an interesting take on Jean Grey. And I have yet to get around to see Dark Phoenix. Uh, the film itself, I have the number here in front of me, but an ad popped up and pushed the information that I needed all the way down to the bottom of the screen. It's the way of it. That's the way of it. Uh, it it it, it fall. It's gonna fall right behind the original X Men, which ended up making two hundred and sixty nine million dollars back in two thousand, and it's gonna fall a little bit short of that at two hundred fifty two million. So that is gonna mark it down as the worst 
X-Men film. So a good place to end on. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it, it makes it makes me wonder as in if it how did it fare in comparison to like Batman and Robin with Alicia Silverstone and Chris O'Donnell. It basically, I mean, that one ruined careers that's outside right. outside that's of right. George Clooney. So, but I'm curious to see how. I really hope that mm-hmm. because I, I think all the other actors outside of Sophie Turner, you know, were established and had had a good run, and they were they were able to or will be able to, you know, do well after this. I hope I hope Sophie Turner, you know, takes this. Takes yeah, you stride, wonder where she's you know? going to go next now. And I, I mean, because the property, realistically, now that once it goes into Disney's hands, it's going to be retooled. It's going to be yes. changed. It's going to They're do not everything. bringing her back at all. Right. Definitely. Um, I, I don't think people blame her. I hope not. For this, because I think she did as best she could. And I think she was cast well. I don't think she was, you know, someone who was exceptional uh, for this role. But I think, you know, she, she certainly was not to a detriment uh, uh, to this final film. But it's one of those things where it's too bad that Disney did not acquire the X-Men after Days of Futures passed, let's say. Right. They at that's that point, a high note. That's a high note to end on. You know, people they maybe could have used some of those characters in, you know, trying to incorporate them into the MCU. Now, you know, it, it's not a situation where they've left things in a better state than they found them. They're handing them off to Disney and they have just trashed that hotel room. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's really too bad that right? things have kind of ended the way they have. But, you know, maybe oh, it's one of those awesome. things where they have just scorched the earth and there's just nothing to be nostalgic back. It's nostalgica. There's just nothing to be nostalgic for when it when it comes to this version of the X-Men where they are just free to just scorch the earth and just come up with their own recast uh, from the ground up. Um, the only, you know, you... The only people that I think you know, you had your send offs with Days right. of Futures Past with Logan. Right. There's no one worth holding on to with this first class version of the X Men. So they ran it into the ground, and I think it's it's either good or bad that they did that because I mean, now either that gives Mar with it gives a uh, Marvel Disney free license to just do whatever they, whatever they want. Now they they don't hold they don't owe anything to any of these castmates. And the nice thing is, is that I'm kind of curious because just as they did with the MCU where they mm-hmm. said, all right, let's grab the B-list characters. Now maybe they'll grab the B-list characters yeah. of the X-Men, you know, do a Gambit, right. do a Rogue, and, you know, maybe do a couple solos and then jump into the X-Men again. Yeah, it's going to be very curious to see what how they go about implementing the X-Men, the mutants, into the MCU. The, the, uh, the directors of Avengers, the Russo brothers, have come out and said that... They've come out and said that, you know, as far as the only mutant that they would have, they that they foresee, and again, this isn't official continuity of any of any kind, that would have survived if it were up to them, the snap, Thanos' snap, would be Wolverine. Oh, yeah. So okay. they have, they, okay. they hold Wolverine in, in high regard. So I would assume that they're going to get him working and running as soon as they can. That is not a character I think they're going to let cool off for too long on the right? cooling rack. I think they're, you're going to get Wolverine in that first wave of mutants. I don't think they're going to wait to reintroduce him. I think people, again, that's they went off on a high note right. with Wolverine with Logan. Right, and you introduced, um, not Rhino, what's his name, from uh, Deadpool 2. Can't think of his mm-hmm. name now. Um, right, right, right. You know, so and that's Ryan that's, Reynolds and with from no, Deadpool. Well, not not just Ryan Reynolds, but um, what's his name with the with the head uh, that runs into things. oh Juggernaut, Juggernaut. There right. we go. Which is which is one of Wolverine's big right. You know, 
anti-characters. So, I mean, you have that, and that's a perfect lead-in right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what direction they go with the MCU and the, and the mutants now that things have, has have you know, the, the rise and the, God, the fall of Fox and the X-Men. Uh, it is going to be a new dawn over at the MCU and the way they treat mutants. And now they can say the word mutants and say the word gifted even in the MCU. It's going to be. A, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, right now, we have yet to hear anything officially in the form of phase five at the over at the MCU. It's it's curious that there are so many different movies that you would expect them to make sequels of Black Panther one of them guardians of the galaxy three right so you would assume that maybe even avengers avengers five uh you would expect to see avengers five in this the phase four slate of movies and so i don't know it's gonna i don't know what their plan is uh because clearly they have either they're they have yet to announce several movies for phase four or they really are just playing the long game and they're not going to start phase five until 2025 and then you're going to introduce the mutants so it's it's weird. Uh, it's it's kind of a sad last chapter for the X Men over a Fox, and this is uh, these these final box office numbers. I think are uh, a final sign of what once was the futures days of future. I'm trying to make wrap it into the to the title days of futures past. There you go. It is right? it is it the future. It is the days of futures past. Future past. Just kind of looking back at these numbers, it's, it's a sour note. It's a sour sign to kind of just look back on and go, oh. And and Patrick Stewart is now going to be Picard yes, in that TV series, right. so he and which can't, looks good. So he can't come back and no. be Xavier, you know. So it is done. They're just gonna, and I think they have free license to just start fresh again because this just it's it's sad. It really came full circle, you know. It's it's sad when the last film in a twenty year franchise cannot surpass the first one, right? Twenty years ago. <laughs> But that will do it for us. Not even adjusting for inflation. That's right. That's true. And that'll do it for us. Super Friends Super Show at Adam R. Patterson on Twitter at at SeanDewire.com on Twitter at New Super Podcast if you can find us. Uh, Find us anywhere where you find your podcasts. Uh, I'm sure we'll be there. Subscribe. Leave us a like or a review. Uh, We appreciate that. And um, final thoughts to go out on, Adam, before we close up shop here. Uh, we put everything back in the boxes for our long journey back to this satellite of free love and friendship for the next issue. When I go back to the satellite, I yes. really hope that pumpkin lattes are out. That they're out? They're by, out. By I'm, I'm, okay. not, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, done. I'm over summer now. Okay. I'm done. Time to move on. It's time to move on. Last year, I think I was drinking you know, pumpkin spice yep. lattes or whatever by September. Yeah, I think even by August last year. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm. I'm just you know. I think I was, I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping we're. I'm done with summer, so I'm on to pumpkin spice now. All right. No, me too. Me too. This has been you know because again you want to go out on a high note. It is the summer in Buffalo, New York, has not been too hot. No, it, it's it rained is, the perfect amount. It's been very pleasant. It's, it's been, been very wonderful. pleasant. Now we're done. Well, let's just end it on a high note. Let's There's no it. reason why we need to have a dark phoenix. Let's sell it to Disney and walk away. We can have a nice uh, instead of a, a, a dark phoenix a dark fall a nice bright fall there you go there you go join us again next time ish for issue 183 and uh yeah we'll be all over the place and uh have um a full recap of what was in the world of superhero movie news and comics the next time we reconvene and that does it for us super friends super show away (laughs) 